So a guy goes preaching about it's under the blood, and that don't get you a little bit excited. We need to check on what you got, guys. I'm not, I'm not trying to convince anybody out of their salvation, but if it hadn't been for the blood, you'd be on your way to hell today. And every sin that you ever committed, would it, it will be on blast one day. The Bible says that at the great white throne of judgment, they shall be, they shall be judged by their works. Everything that you've done is going to get judged. I don't know about you, but I ain't interested in getting judged on my works. I'm pretty thankful that when God looks at me, he don't see the filthy rags of righteousness that I have. He sees Christ and the blood that was shed for me. There's, there's a lot of preaching right there in, that, in those two songs. And if Jesus, Jesus can't fail because he took the blood. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was, he was the, the, the perfect sacrifice, the holy lamb of God. And he died for my sin. And, and every single way that the Bible says and prophesied that he would. And, and I'm thankful for what he's done. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. <clears throat> I want to talk about... A man named Mephibosheth. I love the story of Mephibosheth. I hope I can do it justice. We may not be long today. There's not a whole lot to say here. But there's a lot of power to be had right here in this, this chapter in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read the whole chapter really quickly. It says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel and Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in thy fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread alway at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for many blessings, Lord. And God, I thank you for your word that we were able to read freely, God, without threat on our life or threat of judgment of men, God. I just thank you for everything you've done for us here in this great country, God. I just pray that you'll bless, uh, you'll bless the reading of your word today, God. I pray that you'll be with the message, Lord. Lord, my words are nothing compared to yours, God. And if you don't come down and move in a special way today, God, then 
uh, we're not going to leave different and we're not going to leave changed, God. And Lord, if there's anybody here that hasn't accepted you and hasn't truly accepted you, Lord, Lord, I pray that they'd get it settled today. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Mephibosheth is an interesting story. You know, to, to, to a lot of people, you could just look at the story of Mephibosheth and you would think, well, that's just a cool story. And there, but there's a whole lot going on here that we really need to unpack to understand uh, where we're going with this message. You see, the, the, what has happened up to this point is Saul is dead. King, king David is now actually that. He is, he is king of Israel. And he has come on the scene. And in, in these days, in this time period, it, was, it would have been uh, uh, natural or the normal behavior of a new king to come on and, and he would kill all of the family of the old king so that his, his kingship could not be tested or, or tried and there was nobody that could say, hey, I, I'm the rightful king and there was no chance of, of that ever happening. He, that, that's how that would have been handled. But we see that David doesn't do that. We see that David doesn't, he doesn't hunt down the, the family of Saul. It's actually quite the opposite. He, he said, is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to? That's different. That, that's weird. That's not normal. I, I, I bet when they, when they, the first time he asked, is there any of the house of Saul? I bet the servants in the, in the room probably got a little quiet and got a little nervous because they probably were friends with some of these individuals and they probably got a little scared because they, the, it is within the king's right to take these individuals' lives and to kill them so that, that his sons are never, are never threatened by these individuals who, who had the first claim to the throne. That would have been normal. But we see a very interesting statement. He says that, uh, that he may show him kindness. But that's not the only thing he says. He says, for Jonathan's sake. For Jonathan's sake. That's important. That's not, this isn't the message, but this is important. I learned this recently. I was telling Daniel before church. Jonathan is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. You see when Jonathan went up, I believe it was Giva or Giza, however you pronounce it. And he fought the battalion of Philistines by himself and his, and his shield bearer, just the two of them. You'd find that he's a courageous man. You'd find that he's a conquering man. He's a beautiful picture of Christ. He really is. But you would find in the Old Testament that before this point, that David and Jonathan, they had a covenant with one another. That they wouldn't harm one another for one. That they, that they cared, they loved one another. But you find that their covenant was signified by a tree. It would have been natural in the Old Testament for when someone made a covenant with another that they would plant a tree together to signify the covenant that they had, that they had went into one with another. What other covenant was sealed on a tree? Ooh. Jesus sealed the covenant of the fact that I get to go to heaven with God. The covenant between Christ and God the Father that my sin was paid for was paid for on a tree. That's interesting. So when we're looking at this, we're looking at if Jonathan is a picture of Christ, he made a covenant with King David, King David is a picture of the Father. So what does that make Mephibosheth? It's a picture of you and I. One of the most beautiful pictures in all the Bible of salvation. When you look at where he was, he was in the town of Lodabar. Lodabar means no communication or no pasture. He was in a place that he could not communicate with the king. He was in a place that he was not being fed 
He was in a place that, he, that, that, that there was no chance of ever getting to the king. He, he deserved to be in the palace. He was Saul's grandson. But he, because of what Saul did, because of Saul's sin and God taking, and God taking his, uh, uh, his birthright, if you will, away from him. It's not his birthright. I can't think of the right word, but you know what I'm talking about. He took it away. He took his kingship away. Because of that, Mephibosheth no longer has communication with his old home. Maybe not his old friends. He's in the house of Maker. That's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Is if uh, Mephibosheth is the picture of, the, of a Christian or an individual coming to God, Maker is the, indiv- the picture of the individual that's leading him there, that's trying to be a blessing to him to get him there. Boy, that's interesting. There's a lot going on in this chapter. There's a lot going on in this chapter. But you find that Mephibosheth, if you go back after Saul and Jonathan died, his, his nurse got nervous and got scared afterwards because remember I told you the kings would hunt down the family of, of the old king and they would kill him. They would kill every one of them. That was normal. So his nurse got, she got nervous and she started running with him and when she was running she tripped or something and dropped him. He was about five years old and he never regained the function of his legs ever again. He was lame from that point forward. The first thing you see about Mephibosheth is he was lame on his feet. Ziba said unto king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. The first thing I see about Mephibosheth is he has fallen. That sounds an awful lot like man, doesn't it? I could take you back to Genesis and I could show you a story of, of Adam and Eve and I could show you where God said, hey, don't touch that tree. But because they reached out and they took forth the fruit, mankind from that point has been crippled from a fall. We fell from communication. In a place of no communication, in a a Lodabar type place, a place of no pasture, separated from God for eternity. No, No rights to get back to the kingdom. No right to have conversation with them. We had no right at all. But for Jonathan's sake... But for Jonathan's sake, see, I, I, my sin is, I, I can't fix my sin. Remember when I told you when I stood up there first that at the great white throne of judgment, they shall all be judged by their works? I'm not interested in my works being judged because my Bible tells me that my righteousness is as filthy rags and that salvation is for by grace are you saved through faith and then not of yourselves and it's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. If you sit in your pew and you think, well, look how God, my family looks good. I look good. Hey, I'm doing a good job. I'm, hey, God, me and God's got an agreement. That's my absolute most frustrating thing when you try to witness somebody. Well, me and God's got an agreement. Who do you think you are? Sir, you are crippled by a fall just like I am. You may sit there with a smug look on your face like you're somebody, but you ain't. You're sinful just like I am. You were crippled by a fall. I was crippled by a fall. We look at Mephibosheth as well, this poor lame man. No, it's poor me. I'm lame. My, I, I can't walk spiritually. I can't, I can't communicate with God like I could before because of this fall, this crippling fall. But we find that he wasn't just fallen. Because as we go on, the king sent for him. 
He fetched him. I was a fallen individual. But there was a day in my life that I was sitting in a pew with a man named uh, uh, Bill Stern preaching. I was sitting somewhere around in the front row, right in this area. And he got up there and he was preaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have the, I remember he said, if you don't have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law, if you ain't got that in your life, you're, saved and you're, you're, you're uh, unsaved and you're on your way to hell. I remember it. I was sitting right here. Scared to death. I mean, conviction like you can't imagine. I just knew I was going to die and go to hell. But it wasn't me that, that showed me that. The Holy Spirit came down and came to a young boy sitting in the front row and said, Hey, Justin, you're wicked. You're lame. You're wretched. You're sinful. You can't get to God. But there was a covenant on a tree hundreds of thousands of years ago. That covenant that Jonathan and David made. There wasn't a covenant made in my time. That covenant wasn't made for my eyes. I didn't see it. But that covenant still stands. That tree, that covenant still stands today. Yeah, Mephibosheth, he's fallen. But he's fetched. I'm pretty thankful that God gave a Holy Ghost to come and to walk the aisles of a church and to seek and to save that which was lost. He was fetched. It's amazing. A lame man no use to anybody. He's useless. What can he do? What, what could he do for anybody? He's useless. In this time period. They don't have wheelchairs in this time period. They don't, they don't, they don't have a way for him to get around. He would have had to been carried around. He was useless in this time. He couldn't work. He couldn't do anything. But David fetched him. It was important to David... Your soul is important to God. Regardless of what you've done, a lot of times people think, hey, oh, I've done X, Y, and Z, I can't be saved. No. God came to seek and to save that which was lost. If he can die for, on the cross when the, the thief to his right and his left, one reviled him and one didn't, remember? Did you know that before that they both reviled him? And then one decided, this guy really is who he says he is. Hey, I want to go with you when you die. You'll be with me today. He saved, he saved him, just like that. Wicked, vile. A lot of times, as Americans, we think, well, I've got a nice car, a nice house, I look good. I'm not that bad. I don't do drugs. I've never hurt anybody. I don't get speeding tickets regularly. It's funny, but... The Bible says that if we've offended the law in one jot or one tittle, the smallest portion, I've offended it and it's all. What's the point of the law? Yes, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace, which if you actually read your Bible and understand it, grace is a higher 
level of thing to be under than, law, than the law. But the law is to be a taskmaster or a schoolmaster to teach us that we are sinners. I can't reach it. I can't make it on my own. In, the, in Colossians, it talks about walking worthy. I'd love to have preached it, but I've preached it to Daniel two or three times now. I can't preach it again today. But it talks about walking worthy, and it gives me this list of stuff of, the, of how I'm supposed to walk. You know what? I can't do it. But it says in the end of it, it says, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made you meet. The word meet means to attain to by Jesus Christ. I only make, I only meet the standard because of what Christ did for me. And I would have never, I would have never met Christ because I'm a lame, I'm a lame man. I still to this day, I'm lame. I have weaknesses. But when I was sitting on that front pew, God fetched my soul. I was, it was personal to me. A lot of times in churches, we, people get the idea, I've got a child that's got the idea that she can just get saved whenever she wants. No, I was fetched. Without conviction, there is no conversion. That's the fetching of the Spirit. David fetched him. He was interested in fetching him, but then he was forgiven. Mephibosheth deserved to die for what Saul had done. It wasn't a, a maybe kind of deal. Saul tried to kill David time and time and time and time and time again. It wasn't a once or twice thing. It was over and over and over and over. So according to the story, as, would you have faulted David for sticking him through with a spear? No, I would not have faulted him one bit as a man. He tried to kill him over and over and over again. Mephibosheth deserved to die. But that's not what happened. In verse 7, he says, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. When you come before God, a sinner, he doesn't turn us away. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, anybody. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe that certain people are predestined. The Bible says whosoever. It means whosoever. Anybody can be saved. Regardless of what you've done, where you've been. He was forgiven. He was fed. You find that verse 11, he says, He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. shall eat at my table. What happens when you get pulled up to a table, Daniel? It covers your lameness. They pulled him up to the table, and I can, I can picture the, the servants bringing him in, and they sitting him at the table and pushing his seat up to the table, and I understand. The tables back then were different than ours. I understand, but bear with me. Pushing the kid up to the table. He's a grown man at this point, but he didn't look any different than anybody else. Yeah, he was still lame, but you couldn't tell. He wasn't David's son by birth, 
but he was adopted into the family. That would be your next point. He was fathered. See, when I got saved, something special happened. It wasn't a just, a, well, uh, I got saved and now I've got a good church. For no, I was adopted into a family. God is my father. His name in the Bible is Abba, meaning father. Would you ever? I, want, I, want, I need people to understand where my heart is today. I'm preaching to the unsaved this morning, but I, I'm not going to leave those saved church members out. We're coming, okay? We have a father who took us from a place of no communication, a place of Lodabar. This is the picture of you. You can say, well, you can argue it, you can do whatever you want, but this is the picture of every saved individual. This is what happened. This is the same story of how you get saved. Would you ever tell your father no when he says to do something as a child? No. Mine would have beat me half to death. He's sitting right there. One time he told me not to go down to a pond, and he beat me the whole way back up from the pond. I've still, I was five or six years old. I've never forgotten that. You wouldn't do that, right? Even as an adult, I'd try not to disrespect my parents because it's, I respect them. That's my, that's my father. That's my dad. I, I, I love them. I want to respect them, right? We treat God pretty bad, don't we? Remember this morning when we was talking about praising God? Your father gave you a command to praise him. man gets up singing about the blood. There, I didn't hear many of those from up there, which I was a long ways away. And I ain't trying to get him on anybody's case, but we talked about it this morning. We want to see, we want to see life in our churches again, but where was this singing about the blood? It is by the blood that I have victory over sin. It is by the blood that I was forgiven for sin. It is by the blood that the Comforter came down to fetch my soul. It is by the blood that everything happened. The Father commanded that we praise. I want you to notice something interesting about Mephibosheth. In verse number 6, this is, this is interesting, and I'm almost done. I, I'm, I'm trying to be very short today. <clears throat> I want to give Daniel as much time to sing as possible. In verse number 6, at the very end, when he comes before David, it says, He fell on his face in reverence. What did he say? Somebody, somebody tell me what the very last three words he says. Behold, behold thy servant. He's a lame man. What good is a lame man going to do in this time period? There is no wheelchairs. There is none of those things, that the hover thing that you can move around with electric batteries. That's not, that's not a thing then. What is a lame man going to do? It's not about what he can do. It's about the heart that he's willing to do it with. It's not about what he can do. It's about him saying... If you won't kill me, if you'll forgive me, I'll do what? I'm lame. But I can do something in the king's... I can wash the dishes. If you will let me live, David, I'll wash the dishes. David, if you'll let me live, hey, I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to sweep the floor right here with my, with my hands. I'll crawl around and sweep the floor. Will you let me live? Will you let me do that for you? 
God saved your soul from the fiery pits of hell. God's, every saved individual was lame on their feet from a fall, cursed to spend eternity in hell, in hell with the devil. Hell wasn't created for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. But if you refuse the gift of God, that's where you go. If you've accepted it, why can we not serve God? Why is it so hard to be at prayer meeting? Why is it so hard to go door knocking? We're talking about a, a lame man. Can't do anything. Boy, you get a lot of excuses in churches these days. Well, I don't feel good today. I'm not going to go to church. Well, I'm tired. I think I'm going to stay home. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That's a command. That is your, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. To give your body as a sacrifice. Reasonable. We can't even do the basics. Because we have excuses. I just showed you a lame man that said, I want to be a servant. Out of your Bible. Behold thy servant. Have you, been, have, you, you've, have you accepted Christ? If you haven't accepted Christ, you're crippled by a fall. You may not know it. You may not realize it, but the Bible tells that if you're not saved, that you're dead. Your spirit is dead. You don't even know that, that you're alive. You don't even, your soul had not been quickened or brought to life, is what I'm trying to say. You've fallen. You're, you're crippled by a fall. Maybe God is fetching you today. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you and dealing with you, telling you, hey, maybe you haven't had that moment or that time that you truly got saved. And I'm not talking about a spiritual experience. I'm talking about a time the conviction hit your heart and God said, hey, you're not saved. And you went to either an altar or a pastor or somewhere. You got on your knees and you got it right with God right there. And you can go back to a place in time. Not a, not a roundabout. I'm talking about a place in time that you can go back and you say, God, that was the time that you saved my soul. If you can't do that, I question salvation. I, I, haven't, I haven't found many people that are truly saved that can't take me exactly to the place they were. I can tell you every detail. I can almost tell you everything that I said because it's so real, it's so vivid. It was, it was something special that happened. When something as big as God moves in, something's going to happen and you're going to remember it. Has God fetched you? Has God forgiven you? The Bible says that God will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. But the Bible also says that in, uh, in, when it tells the parables of the, of the ten virgins, it says five of them were ready and five weren't. That is a picture of 50% of church members are not saved. 50%. Because we have a lot of people that are hinging on an experience that they had, maybe when they was a child, or they're hinging on baptism. It's not in baptism, it's on the covenant that happened on a tree. It's, it's, it's all about Christ. We have a lot of church members that Christ is not the center of their lives. Why? Isn't He the one that saved you? Or was He not? Or was salvation something that you didn't, you didn't truly experience? Christianity is not, it's not hard. It's a battle. 
But I don't fight this battle alone. I have Christ in me. The hope of glory is in me. Why do we have so many Christians that they can't even be bothered to show up to church? Quote Christians. The Bible says in 1 in John that if you say that you have fellowship with light, but you only have fellowship with darkness, then you're not saved. You shall know each other by the fruits that you bear. The fruit of the Spirit, right? And James, the whole book is about fruit. It talks about what, when, you, when you're saved, that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not saying that you get saved by your works. It says that when you are saved, then work should come from it. Something should happen. When something as big as God moves into your heart and your life, something's going to come out of you. Why do we have so many people in our churches that can't be bothered to be in church? They can't be bothered to come to prayer meeting. They can't be bothered to go door knocking. I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I'm trying to be blunt. And I'm trying to be honest because we have an issue. I'm, I'm looking at a lame man. Can't walk. He can't do anything that says, hey, I'll serve. I'll serve. Why will he serve for Jonathan's sake? Because if you go back, we look, he, he was fallen, he was fetched, he was forgiven, he was fed. Didn't really talk about that. But he was fathered all for Jonathan's sake. It wasn't for his sake. I wasn't saved for my sake. I was saved for Christ's sake. It's all about Christ. Everything is about Christ. We go to church because of Christ. We don't come to church for a social gathering. We don't come to church to have a good time, as, even though it is a good time. It's about Christ. It's like I was talking this morning. There's, a, there's a, set, a set balance of how things are supposed to work. And when we try to veer off of that, it no longer becomes about Christ. Because we have a church full of people that aren't willing to serve. They have every excuse in the book. Can you out-excuse a lame man? That has no way of, motivate, of mobility on his own? Can you out-excuse that? Can you, can, can you out-excuse a man that can't even get from a, point A to point B without at least two men helping him do it? But he said, hey, I'll serve. I'll, I'll serve. I'll do whatever you need, David. Whatever you want, I'll do it. Can you be that person today? I understand, I understand who I'm preaching to. I know most of everyone here is church members. But are you truly saved? I don't want to ever talk anybody out of their salvation. But according to the Bible, it says that 50% of people that think they're going to heaven are not. They're not. I want you to soul search. Soul search. God died for you. He died so that you could go to heaven. He wants you in heaven with him. Hell was not created for us. It was created for the Satan and his angels. That's who it's created for. Search your own heart today. Only you and God can come to the determination of whether or not you're saved. Are you truly saved? And if you are, are you willing to get serious about serving God? How do we serve God? Through his local New Testament church. The Great Commission, spreading his word, propelling his gospel forward. That's how we serve. Are you willing to do that? And I'm not meaning playing around with it. I mean, hey, I'm all in. I, I want to serve God. Are you ready to do that today?
Stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed. I've been pretty short today. We're going to have a moment of invitation. I ask that nobody's nobody's looking around. If there's anybody here that hasn't accepted Christ, maybe God's fetching you today.